Power on your Bible or turn in the one-year book rack to Romans chapter 12 as we finish off a three-week teaching series called Rally Caps. I'm going to warn you, this morning is a little bit different. You guys know us as a church that our heart and our desire would be that the, the days of the professional Christian would be over. That we believe every single person in here that God created that Jesus gave his life for, that he rose from the grave for, so that anybody in here could have eternal life with Jesus in heaven one day and experience the power of God in their life today. And you may be here and be atheist or agnostic. We want you to know if you're attending online and that's you, we started this church for you. And we have seen people have radical life changes and this morning is gonna be a little bit different. So I wanna encourage you right now, I don't do this that often, but turn to the person on your right and your left and say, hey, it's not normally like this. Could you do that? It's not normally like this. It's going to be way better than normal. Uh, it, as we come to the week three of our teaching series, the third and final week, we've been talking about how this one church is going to become two churches and then three churches and then four and then eventually five churches within the next three years. And that those will be separate locations with live preaching and the location pastors become the lead pastors and we believe in kingdom multiplication and that every single person can by, be used by God. And so today you're going to hear from a good friend of mine who is not a professional Christian. He doesn't like to preach. He doesn't like to speak in public. He's going to be sweating as he does this. And it was one of the most powerful moments we have had here in the history of our church at the last service. And I think it's going to be the, true again at this one. Because what we're doing is we believe God is living and active and real and he could use you and he can use every single person in this room. But week three of our teaching series, in order to see this great movement, one movement, five churches, it's going to require, it's going to take a lot of sacrifice in order to see that happen. And we just want to be honest with you. And to talk about the sacrifice that it will take. And in Romans chapter 12, the passage that we're going to look at, it was written by the Apostle Paul. Paul at one day had been Saul. He had overseen the killing of Christians. He was a religious terrorist. Overseen murdered and applauded in the stoning of Stephen. And he goes on because of one authentic encounter with the risen Jesus. It so dramatically changes his life. Not the condemnation of the Pharisees of his day, but that living act of Jesus so transform his life, he goes on to write a lot of the New Testament, and he writes this letter to the church in Rome before he's visited there, encouraging them. And one day he will end up there in Rome, and he will be on house arrest, and he will write letters like the letter to the Philippians, the letter to the Ephesians, these later writings that he has to encourage them as they continue to live for Jesus. But in the letter to the Romans, it's in the mid-50s AD, one of the kind of, hist in the history line of his writings is kind of in the middle. And he writes to the church in Rome, and he talks to them about how it's only in faith in Jesus that we experience eternal life with God. It's the only way. And we would agree here, nobody here could earn their salvation. You could be the perfect person, you still wouldn't be good enough. No one is good enough to be in the presence of a perfect God. And we believe as Christians, it's because of the work of Jesus, his sacrifice on the cross, being crucified, risen from the grave, that anybody can experience the power of God in their life and live eternally with him forever. In the letter to the Romans, he's talking about that for a number of chapters, and scholars will tell you it all changes by the time he gets to chapter 12. Everything's about to change. 
And he writes this. I'm going to read these first two verses in Romans chapter 12. Are you ready to study God's word, church? It says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as what? A living sacrifice. So everybody knew this was a couple of decades after Jesus was crucified and rose again. So he's writing to Christians. They already know that Jesus was that was the ultimate sacrifice. They know that it had atoned for all of the sins and wrongdoings of people. That no longer did they need animal sacrifices as we studied a few months ago in a series. But he was the Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice for all time. And so when it says that you are to be a living sacrifice, the Jewish context is not that you need to be crucified and die physically. It's that through your life that you would be a spiritual living sacrifice for God. And here's the deal. Sometimes when it comes to sacrificing for God in our lives, sacrifice sometimes is simple things that we just don't want to do. I totally did this yesterday. A dad of three kids, my 10-year-old came up to me. I've been eating an ice cream bar because it was a little humid out. I need some ice cream in my system. Don't worry, a skinny cow so I could have two of them. And he came up to me and he said, Dad, can I have that last bite of the ice cream? I said, no. Get your own ice cream. And then I, that's what I thought in my interior voice. And then I finally decided, you know what? I'm a dad. I've got a sacrifice for my son. I gave him the last bite of the ice cream. I know you dads wouldn't have done that, but I did that because I'm a good dad. Some of you bad dads out there. And the truth is, I didn't want to do it. And this little moment of sacrifice at the end, I go, oh, that was good because now I'm skinnier than I would have been. And he got, I got to show my love to my son. Spiritually speaking, when sometimes when we make simple sacrifices for God in our life, and I'm not talking about ice cream bars, it means that we're going to have to give something up. And the truth is, sometimes we just don't feel like doing it. But the act of it is what actually encourages our faith. And he says, you need to be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. That being a living sacrifice for God is your true and proper worship. And in American church culture today, we've become pretty good at our worship services. I feel like here at Mercy Road, we've gotten pretty good at it. We've got amazing musicians and worship leaders. We get in, uh, great communicators other than me or Luke. We get Darren and others coming in and preaching. We, we have... We do worship services well. We, we even got like lights and projection and video cameras and it goes out on. And I believe you need to do that in a culture in the 21st century to reach people for Christ. And that's why we do it. But don't think that it has to have all those elements to be true and proper worship. What Paul tells the church in Rome is true and proper worship is actually being a living sacrifice in your daily life for him. And that's at the heart of what we're going to discuss today. To be a living sacrifice, that's true and proper worship, that instead, verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In a world that we often feel hopeless, and there is despair, and there is racism, and sexism, and poverty, and, and anger, and animosity, and hatred, and violence. That the Christians, do you believe, we could all at least agree on this, that the Christians today, the church banded together around Jesus Christ biblically speaking, is meant to be the solution to the dark world that we live in. And then unfortunately, too often, Christians are known more for what we're against than what we're for. And so if you're here today and you don't consider yourself a Christian or you're attending online, I want to encourage you, this viewpoints that I'm going to share with you, it transformed my life, it transformed the life of the man who's going to come up and speak here in a little bit. 
that we're not going to conform to the patterns of this world anymore, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's apply that to our church. As we go from one to five churches and we do this crazy vision we've been talking about for over a year, it's going to require incredible sacrifice. It already has. And so my question to us as a church is, can we be a church of living sacrifices? Can we be a church of living sacrifices? That's my question to us. Will you pray with me? God, uh, we've all come together here in the space, and I just pray, first of all, thank you that in today's culture, people came to worship you, to hear from your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that we know you are present with us right now. Speak to us. May you get rid of my words and replace it with whatever you have to share through Scripture. God, as Ethan shares, God, I pray it would transform a generation. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen. Amen. Do you believe that God could truly use you to change the culture around us? Like, I'm not talking to the good Christians in the room, the professional ones again, right? That's the whole point. I'm talking to you, that God could use you to transform you when you bond together with other people. Have you ever accomplished something that seems impossible when you work together with other people? I did just the other day. Well, I have a family with uh, five of us in the family, and sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes the house gets a little messy. And it's amazing how, like, your children, they won't listen to a word you say for, like, weeks at a time, but then when you get in a mood that the house has to get clean, because my parents were coming over today, they're actually here at this service right there, they were coming over to the house, and Lisa and I are like, we got to pick the house up. And all of a sudden, my four-year-old, who can't listen to a thing and throws temper tantrums, we're like, you better pick your room up or you're going to lose technology for the next seven years. And he gets motivated and he does something. And then the 10-year-old, like, he stops eventually talking back and, like, he got involved in our daughter. She was like, I'll do whatever you say, Dad, because I'm the angel. I love you, Jenna. And so, (laughs) and in, like, 15 minutes, we accomplished what we couldn't accomplish in, like, two weeks. We clean that whole house up. It's looking good, mom and dad. Wait till you see it. And sometimes I think in a dark, hurting, and broken world that God is calling Christians to bond together to make an impact, a difference, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, to not conform to the patterns of this world, to clean it up, so to speak. If we actually work together, we could see hope where there was hopelessness, and we underestimate what God could do in and through us. There was a guy at this last service, Dan Loomis, who he was in the church when there was 20 people meeting in our house. And you know what happened in those, that season? There was a bunch of hurting, broken people that just said, hey, we're going to prioritize those who are far from God and just love them right where they're at. And we're going to believe that God could transform their lives. And we, see God, we saw God do that very thing. And my, many of my friends get baptized, and a number of you are here worshiping with us today. And I want to encourage you, God could use you to do that. And in those early days, it took the Christians being willing that I'm not here to get something. I'm here to sacrifice for these people because I want to love them like Jesus did. See, I'm going to move really quickly in Romans chapter 12 here so that my friend can have a little time here. And the big idea of of being a living sacrifice as a church in this next season, what's it going to take for us to accomplish this? Number one, what it will take, it will take all of us together. All of us together. Again, no professional Christians. You're like, ah, you don't understand the junk in my life. I know that God created you and he loves you and he's redeemed you and he's asking you to transform your renewing, be renewed by your mind and transform to no longer live to the patterns of this world, but to allow God to lead you in your life. And he can use you in all your brokenness. 
It's going to take some broken people working together. Romans 12, verse 3 through 8 says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Yes, he has distributed it to you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all, all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. It says that when we work together for God's purposes, which is what the church is supposed to look like, it's not a worship service or a building that you walk into on the weekend, it is a community on mission being used by God for his purposes, that when we actually do that, he could use us to transform those around us, and we can't do it on our own. The isolated Christian walk that many of us do, and maybe you're doing that by attending online today, I want to encourage you, get involved with other believers and be used together to transform the world around us. It's going to take all of us together. And then he lists all these ways you're going to have to be transformed. Verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. We talked about that last week. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. It's going to require that of us as a church in this next season. And I want to give you some specific things it's going to take in order for us to accomplish this huge vision we've been talking about for the last now three weeks. The first thing is this, we're gonna need as many volunteers as possible to just say, I wanna get involved. I'm not gonna just attend or sit in a seat anymore. I'm gonna break the American church norm and I'm gonna participate and believe God can use my life. The last two weeks, this is the third and final week we're gonna do this, we passed this clipboard that said, if you wanna volunteer, write your name down and you're gonna get contacted by my wife. And she has contacted over 70 new volunteers in two weeks. Isn't that insane? You should be clapping a lot more because I've never in all the years of ministry I've been doing this ever experienced that. I've seen a lot of people come to Christ, a lot of people who baptize, but I've not seen that many people in two weeks say, use me, I wanna get involved. I wanna break 100, do you think we can break 100? What if there's 30 people this weekend that God's going to call you? You're like, I'm not even a Christian yet. It's okay. Come along for the ride. We'll see what God does in the process. The second thing is this. We're, and this is a huge one. Our, our Compassion Campaign to raise $3 million over three years. Uh, we are celebrating that. We have raised $1.22 million in already in like seven months, which is insane. And you should be going nuts over that because I, I did not think that was possible. Which brings me to the next big thing that we have to do, which is we will need to see an additional five, oh, go back, go back, an additional 500,000 given by the end of the year above and beyond a regular time. Like that, that's insane. Look, you may be brand new here. Uh, we're not after your money. We come here as long as you let and never give a dime. We want you to know the love of Jesus. But for those who call this your, your church home and you want to be a committed Christian and you want to participate involved, like that's the reality in order to see this happen. Three of these new church plants are all getting started this fall. And uh, the, the first chunk went to the ITT building, that's New Michigan Road location, that should be opening up in the next two to three months. But the next thing is the startup cost for John Jones that you heard for uh, Michigan Road and for the Fishers location. And thank you to those who are sacrificing to see that happen. The next thing, we're going to need many new weekend team, rooted outposts, and huddle leaders. Maybe that's your next step for some of you in the room. And then we're going to need many of you to join the Michigan Road team. Pastor Luke's going to be at the guest center to the right in the lobby afterwards. The Michigan Road location pastor, John Jones, our Mass Avenue location pastor, is going to be right out there. We want you to go. Get out of here. Go tell somebody about Jesus. 
be used, sacrifice more than you ever have. But let me tell you this too. If you've been here for a while and you go, we want you to know, we don't know if you're going for three months or six months or three years or 30 years. Well, yeah, we hope it's 30, but it's okay if it's three months. Like this place will always be here and we want you to know that and we're going to continue to invest in this location. I'll be speaking at all locations. Pastor Darren will still be coming over to this location. I'll still be preaching here. I'm excited to share with you as well that Davey Blackburn, who was here uh, a few weeks ago, is also going to kind of join the volunteer teaching team and be here occasionally when he's in town. We're really excited for that as well. So big thank you to Davey and Christy Blackburn attending online. They're still going to be preaching at all kinds of churches locally and globally, uh, but they're going to be part of the team. And so we believe that God is going to use each of these locations. And then the Fishers location, it is like I've been telling you, coming, and we keep getting more opportunities. We have one location pastor visiting this morning, and we're going to have, uh, he's here from California. We're going to have another one visiting in the near future, and we want you to pray big that God would use each of these locations. And then Anderson, it's still coming. Don't worry. We're going to be training up that team, and it may happen sooner than we want it to. The second point I want to make is this. It will take all of us together, but it will also take a lot of love. It will take a lot of love. And the verses that follow, I'm just going to read uh, verse 9 here for the sake of time. It says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. And then it tells us to love one another well during the season. It's going to take us loving people well, both with grace and truth. And we'll talk about that in July but to love people, that those people that may be around your life right now in your sphere of influence who don't know Jesus, that God loves them right where they're at. And if you demonstrate a true, genuine love in their life, it could transform them. But it's going to take incredible sacrifice on your part that you have died and no longer live. The life you live is through faith in the Son of God, Galatians 2.20. And that that person is the most important thing, that you're going to love them during this season. And if we did that together, I can't wait to see what happens. That said... I'm going to invite a friend of mine. I got one more thing to share, but he's got to get some stuff set up. He is not a professional Christian. Uh, he does not like to publicly speak. He was really uncomfortable doing this yet again, and it's super powerful. He is one of our operations team members, and he is one of many people sacrificing like crazy right now to advance the kingdom of God, donating dozens of hours every week while leading a a business of 100 employees that he's grown over the years and just going, God, use me in every way you possibly can. And so sometimes I get credit for some of the work Ethan is doing behind the scenes. And I just wanted you to hear it straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak, so that you could experience the level of sacrifice that this guy lives out. So Ethan Fernhopper, everybody, will you welcome him? Thanks. Thank, thanks, everyone. Um, I think it's kind of crazy that Josh asked the best baseball player and then the worst baseball player <laughs> to teach during this uh, series. You know, the 12-year MVP, Justin, and then me, like this funky, uncoordinated kid who really <laughs> didn't advance well in the whole baseball thing. <laughs> so I wore my glasses just for you today, that's even. beautiful. You need thicker, thicker lenses, thicker man. Glasses, thicker yeah. lenses, and then you got to cross an eye, too, to really, really work that. Awesome, <laughs> so Josh has me on the once every three year speaker series. So you'll see me back in like 2022 if you really like today's message. Um, but I was encouraged uh, this or yesterday when I was sitting uh, watching my daughter play baseball. I got this verse from a, a member of our operations team. 
Uh, this comes from 1 Corinthians. It says, weak, low, despised, and unlikely are the qualities God looks for in his servants. And he chooses these qualities with great intentionalities. You know, these are the qualities that I hold on to, weak, low, despised. And my hope is that God will use my life story to build his kingdom. You know, today is not about me. It's not about what I've done. It's not about my comfort, you know. But I hope that the transparency and my discomfort are used to ignite something inside of each of you that would bring you closer to God and that would expand heaven here on earth. So I wanted to start today with a question. What's the best decision that you've ever made? Let's just think about it. What's the first thing that pops into your mind? Was it taking your new position at work? Was it uh, choosing your spouse, perhaps? Or maybe a great stock pick? Anybody here buy Apple in 1980? <laughs> Man, that would have been awesome. <laughs> I wanted to talk about uh, the best decision that I've ever made, and that was accepting Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. Um, sacrifice is defined as an act of giving up something valued, something that you really care about uh, to, for something regarded more, um, more important or worthy. When I first came to Christ, I had three barriers that prevented me from knowing him better. They were pride, pleasure, and power. I found that through sacrifice, I was able to tear through those barriers and come closer to him. I gave up something valued for something else regarded as more important. We all know what, the first one I want to talk about is pride. We all know what pride is, right? Deriving this deep satisfaction from our own achievements. I used to define myself as a self-made man. I grew up in a lower middle class home. I worked my way through college as a meat cutter. You know, I quit smoking, I became healthy. I eventually got this job with a bank. I traveled all around the nation, and then I decided to start my own business. That business allowed me to hit some of these earthly goals probably too early in life, but when I hit them, I found out how shallow those goals really were. Eventually, it brought me to the end of myself, and I knelt down at this Christian conference, and I called out to God, and I said, God, I'm all done doing this by myself. I can't do this anymore. You know, I just turned to him and I realized like he was there. He was chasing me for like eight or nine years. And um, that was the best decision that I ever made. Like taking that, that, that posture of sub submission to calling out for Christ and then falling in his loving embrace. You know, I was a 30-year-old man. I was already part of the church, right? Already a Christian. I was, you know, with my uh, friends. We went on this adventure together. But my faith was an act, right? It was just an act, and I wanted that show to be over. I was ready to switch places with Jesus and just allow him to go in front of me and lead my life. So I would encourage each of you, to, to humble yourself before the Lord. You know, if you're an introvert like me, you'll just kneel right where you're at because you don't want to meet the scary person in the prayer room that you don't know. <laughs> 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 
But last night, me and a friend made up these kneelers, and every one of our operations team members has one of those, and it reminds me of the, my place. I need to humble myself consistently before the Lord to remind myself that he's in front and I am not. The second point I want to talk about is pleasure. All right, here, who, here, who here enjoys a good meal? Anybody? A glass of wine, maybe? Anybody have fun creating their children here? <laughs> come, come on, guys. <laughs> so God gives us pleasure to enjoy, right? <laughs> uh, you know, um, but maybe you've had a hard time uh, keeping a healthy weight because you use eating as an escape. Or maybe you drift into excess with alcohol or drugs. Or maybe you chase sexual pleasure outside the covenant of marriage. I am naturally a pleasure seeker. I'm a really awesome cook because of that. But it's uh, been really hard for me to maintain an ideal and a healthy weight. I chose gluttony and excess when I crave an escape from this world that's so difficult to cope with sometimes. I was able to say yes, <laughs> say no to my flesh and say yes to God last year when he called me on this 40-day all-liquid diet. During the middle of that uh, fast, I was supposed to go on vacation, right? And I got real whiny and said, well, I deserve this vacation, and, you know, I shouldn't have to do this fast, and I already do enough. But I kept that fast during that vacation, and it was refreshing to know that I can say no to what my body craves, and God will provide abundantly. You know, I was able to get through that fast through uh, connecting with my true identity. So we have these great new Mercy Road branded driver's licenses for each one of you. These are your kingdom identity cards, and they're filled with verses that you can hang on to when you're questioning who you really are. The last point I really wanted to talk about today is power. Power is the ability to control other people or outcomes. In the U.S., one source of power is wealth. We can use money to buy land and build a house. We can go on nice vacations, and we can even get a minivan with its own built-in vacuum. <laughs> I just found that out last service. That's the coolest. <laughs> I want one now, Ethan. Is that the what you were trying to do, get me to buy one? No, sorry, go, keep going, keep going. So we're at a, the stage in our church's history where we need, need to support the best decisions that we have ever made by transferring wealth or this earthly power to the bride of Christ, the local church. We need to make these huge deposits of treasure in he heaven where moths and rust will never destroy. These sacrifices will be remembered when we'll stand before our Creator and give an account for our time here on earth. In my own life, I have always been searching for power. My parents got divorced when I was young, and the stability in my house was completely compromised. I remember sleeping with knives surrounding my bed because of the fear that I was gripped with. I would dream of being strong and having money so that I would be safe and I wouldn't need anyone else. I was able to overcome the grip of power in my own life through generosity both through the One Life campaign and the Compassion campaign, we have seen God move beyond what we thought was normal. 
you know, when I first started going to church, I was like, okay, well, I'll give $20 for this show because I would pay for that entertainment anywhere. And, and then it kind of switched to the 10% God tax, right? Well, I'm a Christian, so I got to give 10%. So, <laughs> and now it's like deciding intentionally against building a, a business empire or a personal empire to expand the kingdom of God today. Each time we've given, we've been blown away that we cannot outgive God. He, we, he has allowed us to reach targets we never thought were possible. And he has rewarded us in so many intangible ways. Sacrifice is this privilege which allows us to grow closer to God. Let me repeat, it's a privilege, right? A privilege to allow us to grow closer to God. It is not a burden to run from. I sacrifice because I think about eternity. And we have these at the Connect Center today. These are wall decals. I had one up in my kitchen. I think about eternity every single day. That's what we should base our lives on, is like what's going to go on forever, not just the next 15 minutes. You know, we came into this world with nothing, and we're going to leave this world with nothing. The local church is the most beautiful and strong and powerful organization on earth. We need to do everything in our power to support its growth. We have out there that we're going to have a million people experience salvation in our lifetime. If we're going to do that, we're going to need a lot of healthy, relevant, and reproducing churches. It's not our goal to control these new locations. They're all going to be their own entity. We are physically breaking apart this church to go plant seeds across this state. I believe that the local church will be the ones to help those in need. The local church should come up with and fund the new innovations that will break the shackles of poverty. The local church will er eliminate racism. The local church will fund missionaries going across the globe. The local church will plant dozens of other reproducing churches. The local church will stop our children from cutting themselves and from taking their own lives. But it all starts with you, and it all starts with me. Can we break the chains of pride and pleasure and power in our own lives? I would encourage you, each of you, to know that, recognize that God is more powerful than you are. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Live like he was the best decision you have ever made. You know, if you sacrifice, you will die to yourself, and then you'll become closer to God. When that happens, you'll see miracles happen. You'll see heaven drip down here on earth, and supernatural things will happen. Six years ago, my daughter was the first person who had her appendix burst inside her at Riley who did not need to receive surgery. Three years ago, in a huddle, a young man handed me his computer. He didn't want it anymore because he was all done viewing pornography. <laughs> Two weeks ago, we had a man who spent 18 years in prison baptized as supervisor. That doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> Last night, in a Muslim nation, a woman's life was saved because this family from Mercy Road and supported by Mercy Road was able to provide emergency medical care when her placenta wouldn't deliver. <laughs> they were able to call out and they were there. 
On Monday this week, uh, a pastor, a Multiply Indiana pastor that we support, this guy used to cook meth. <laughs> he opened up a recovery home for recovering op opioid addicts. <laughs> he had three people move in on his first day. <laughs> on Wednesday this week, my great friend and the insurance broker for the church had the oncologist tell him that he deserved to be fired, that he was cancer-free, and he could go and live a normal life. <laughs> right now, a former, former Satan worshiper is leading six different apartment ministries across the state. And in a few minutes, we're going to hear a guy sing a song that he wrote in a prison cell to this entire congregation. You know, none of these events are normal, and you guys can see by the timeline, they're in increasing in frequency. This is, this is a clear display of the power of God and proof that is, he is alive and active. And I just want to say thanks to the Hoosmans, both Josh and Lisa, their whole family, for following the call of God on their lives and then allowing other people to be part of this generational revival. So thank you, Josh. Can we thank Ethan for sharing that? And as he shared that at the last service, I just, I mean, half of the congregation was just wiping tears away from their eyes to think about the stories that God is doing. Those are all real stories. God is living. He is active. He is on the move. He can use you in all your brokenness and the things of your past. It's going to take the third and final thing, though, for us to do this together, number one, to love like Jesus did, number two, and then number three, it will take urgency. It will take urgency because many of you have been to moments like this before and had an emotional experience where God was speaking through a passage of scripture or a person speaking and it spoke to your heart or to, I would even say, to your soul. But you didn't take the urgency to go and respond and do something about it. And eventually you just went right back to everything that you had done. If you forget everything else this morning, I want to encourage you that in order to see God's kingdom advance in the ways that we have been describing, it's going to require that you take great urgency. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote this letter to the church in Rome, in chapter 12, he talks about the living sacrifice and the, the transformation that's going to occur and the way we must live. And when you get to the end of Romans chapter 13, it says this in verse 11, and do this, I believe this is a verse for us this weekend, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you. Yes, you and me to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is near now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh, the pleasure that Ethan described. Maybe it's the pride he described for you, or maybe it's the power that it's keeping you from being fully used by God to be a living sacrifice because the enemy has used those three things to be destructive in your life. And what if today you had the urgency to say, I will no longer live in my spiritual slumber 
He has awakened me, not just to his reality, but his call into the life of the the church today. Those who consider themselves Christians to live differently, to sacrifice, to use our time, talents, and treasures, yes, but to allow him to fully indwell our soul and say, God, use my life. I don't care when I die or how I die as long as you use me. Because one day, as he described, we're going to spend eternity with God. If you consider yourself a Christian, we believe the Bible speaks. One day he will return. He will set the world right. We will spend eternity with him. And I'll tell you what we won't be talking about in heaven. I'll speak to myself. I won't be sitting around talking about all the fun times I had playing apps on my phone. Or let's get real, even the house that I live in that bring us comfortability or the two cars that we drive or the school system that my kids got to experience We will be talking about the stories of how God used us because we were willing in this culture when no one does this today to sacrifice for his kingdom. Not because we have to to earn our salvation, but because we get to be a living sacrifice so he could use us to minister to those who are hurting and broken and lost. People like Ethan that needed to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and it transformed his life that led to the impact of so many others. People like me at 19 years old, a fraternity guy that was far from God who transformed my life in two decades later, I've never been the same since. And I want to tell you, some of you have been in this room and you've sat in chairs like this before. You've heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus, but you have never let it transform and renew your mind. We have conformed to the patterns of this world rather than being a living sacrifice. And I will tell you this, Our church is like every other church. We got good parts and parts we're working on, and we're all sinners that need the grace of God. But I can tell you, if we allow ourselves to be a living sacrifice for him, the movement that you see in the early church in the book of Acts still happens today because we have experienced it. You just heard Ethan read about it, and it can happen in your life. There are no professional Christians. You don't need 1990s glasses in order to tell people about Jesus. He can use you and who you are right where you are. But it takes a choice of being willing to be used as a sacrifice for him. Will you pray with me? God, we just love you and we can confess today that we need you. And we're all created differently. And we all have different life experiences. And we all have reasons that we don't want to listen to you and we don't want to follow you. But if there's even one person attending online or in this room right now that needed to hear this today and need to be transformed by you and want to say, I will no longer be the person who is in spiritual slumber. I'm going to live my life with urgency in a way that I fully accept and live my life as a sacrifice for you to make you the firm foundation of my entire life. If that's you here in the room, I want to invite you to surrender your life to Jesus. And I'm not going to make it easy on you. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand to say, I want to sacrifice for you, Lord. I surrender my life to you fully. Use me like those people around the world that you're using, like Ethan that you described, like the man that was in prison for 18 years and you're leading, using to lead people to Christ today. If that's you in the room and you want to sacrifice and surrender your entire life to Jesus, I want to invite you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, Jesus loves you. Two, he's not done with you. Three, he wants you to be used by him for all eternity. And I see uh, three or four or five of you over here on my right. And guys, help me out. I'm looking at my left now. I see all you guys over here, or at least those two over there on my left. Someone right here as well. And, and, And you guys know what God's doing in your life. Help me if I missed anybody. 
You can put your hands down now. Uh, we're not going to ask you to do anything, but I wanted you to make that physical representation that you are going to surrender your life to him and sacrifice for him. So pray this silently as I pray it out loud. God, I confess I need you. And on this day, I no longer want to just talk about you or your story. I want to surrender and sacrifice for you to make you the foundation of my life. So I believe and receive your grace and forgiveness. And I make you Lord of my life. Then pray this. Today, I surrender everything to you. Use me, Jesus. We love you, God. And we celebrate your work. Pray this in your name. And all God's family said, amen.